How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. I tripped up there. Did you pick that up? Did you pick it up? But it's only because you're trying. My tongue got stuck. You're trying to do so many things. Yeah. Yes, your tongue did get stuck. It got stuck. How that often does that happen? Never. That's never happened For before. a lawyer? Uh, Can you imagine a lawyer having their tongue stuck? Yuck, yuck. But when you need your lawyer, there's no jokes about it, is there? No, mm. not at all. Oh, so sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> as a psychiatrist, uh, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? By that there are no jokes when you need a lawyer. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, this was a... This was a conversation that came up in law school one day with a professor, and yep. he's like, you know, you got to get used to it. You're going to have to have a really thick skin doing what we do, but more importantly, it's the cocktail parties that you need to prepare yourself for with the lawyer jokes. Oh, absolutely. Ha, ha. Yeah. Ha, ha. You, you, you know, I, I can't <laughs> help anyway, myself. But, go ahead. But, but I, was, I was at a cocktail party, and it's, it's, it's lovely. You know, people come up to me on occasion, and they'll... You know, they know I'm a psychiatrist, so they'll ask a question about, you know, depression or my kid or something. Sure. You know, it's it's a great honor. Um, so I was, you know, answer these questions. I'm chatting with, with another person, happens to be a lawyer. And uh, I said, so, you know, you're a lawyer. Does this happen to you that people come up and ask you Never. questions? <laughs> and he said, well, I, yeah, I, 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 it does. I said, so what do you do? He says, well... I'm very polite. I answer their questions, and uh, the next day I send them a bill for two hundred dollars. That's what the law school yeah. professor was talking about doing so, as well. So the next day I got a bill for two hundred dollars. That's but, good. Uh, but thank you. No. So did you pay it? Of course. Yeah. I know it's going to happen. Going to go to a collection agency. Yeah. He'll you know? sue you. You know, sue uh, me. I'll sue you. Yeah. So, so what he was saying though is, you know, be prepared. Get your thick skin on. You, yeah. There, there's a, enough lawyer jokes out there, and then, you know, there's for some good reason because there's some bad seeds. But unfortunately, it, it's you know the reputation for these jokes are ha 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 ha. But he said, you know, just look them dead in the eye and say, but in that moment, that moment in time. When you feel overwhelmed and you need an attorney that's right to represent your interests yep will you be laughing then mm-hmm that's good and and have you ever had to say that i used to right when it now went, on the air yeah. no <laughs> <laughs> um no but, it, but that's what's so wonderful about about this show as well is it yeah absolutely because you know i have enormous respect for you and value you as a human being and as a lawyer it's it's a great honor to be doing this show because I love the idea that we have these perspectives. Mm-hmm. The perspective of psychiatry, the legal perspective, mm-hmm. and then all of these remarkable people who are calling in and sharing their views and how they want to help yeah. change the world. So, so speaking of that, we have a guest coming in tonight, right? Yeah, we do. The author of this book right here, for yes. those who are listening in their car, I'm sorry. But it is called Drink Less, 
in seven days. So Georgia Foster yes. is going to come in and tell us how to drink less in seven days. Now, you haven't read this yet, huh? Uh, I have not, which is really fun for me. I think so, too. Because this way, I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm a, one of those people at, at a party saying, right. oh, my gosh, yeah. you wrote a book. Tell me about your Tell book. Tell me about your book. You know? And, and having some experience as a psychiatrist who works with people who are struggling with drinking, yeah. I think it's great. But I did read the blurb, and I posted that on Facebook. Oh, you did? Yeah, and it, it sounds like this is um, not necessarily about people who are alcoholic, but people who just feel that they drink a bit too much yep. and want to stop or decrease it, and I am so interested. Like a lifestyle change. Like a lifestyle change. Yeah. You know, we, we had um, a guy who'd written a book uh, a while ago, uh, Bob Doyle. No, no, it, was, um, it wasn't Bob Doyle. He wrote a different It was called Almost Alcoholic. Um, it's an interesting and title. And it was a very interesting title. Through Harvard Health, West Boyd wrote it. West Boyd wrote it, Almost Alcoholic. And it was, you know, about this idea that at what point is your drinking really a problem? Right. Because, let's face it, you know, people drink, and the vast majority of people can drink safely and appropriately uh -huh. and know, well, I'm not going to have that next one. Some people can't do that. You know, there's, right. a, there's a saying in, in, in you know, AA, you know, um, one drink is not enough and one drink is too many. I think I butchered that, but I think it's yeah, yeah. something close mm. to that. What's been great is... Um, more and more people are truly not just understanding the I am, but applying it. And it is great to see. You know, I, I've been doing psychiatry for a while, and, and my patients know about the I am, and it is wonderful to watch them coming in and telling me each week about the small change goal that they did. And they pick a domain, and anybody at home can do this. You might want to just try this. Remember, the I am is saying we're always doing the best we can at every moment in time, and we're influenced by four domains. Your home domain, the social domain, the biological domain of your brain and body, and the I see. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? And because these domains interconnect, a small change in any one domain can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. If you think you've got to change everything, you're going to get overwhelmed. Right. If you feel overwhelmed, you're going to be angry, anxious, or sad. And even though that's an I am, you can do something different. So my recommendation to folks is, you know, because I see them once a month for medications, but the medication part is, is a small part of what we do. And when we're doing medication change, all we're doing is making a change in, small change in the biological domain that can have a ripple effect through the other domains. Right. So people are coming in every month with an I am small change goal, and then they stick to it, and they can tell me the next month the ripple effect it's had. And so... Through all four domains. For all, all four domains. And, and they may be some simple things, like one person said, you know, uh, this month I, I just want to make sure that my bedroom is clean every day. Small thing. Small. But because of that, he felt much more empowered mm -hmm. when he, you know, got home every day. And because of that, he began loving going back home and he began loving going to work because he felt he was more organized. And at work, people noticed that and they began to give him more compliments. And as a result of that, his biological domain changed because he started to feel more valuable. Yep these small changes can have big effects. So what would be really great for, for our listening audience 
uh, and our Facebook audience is just come up with a small change for this month. Pick a domain. Dr. Joe's challenge. Yeah. Right? Pick a domain, come up with a small change, and if you go to our Facebook, uh, write in what your small change is, what domain you're doing it in, and then next month, or even next week, next week, just write in and say, yep. what happened? These small changes can have big effects. I made a small change myself, oh, what, almost a year ago now? The, um, the, the diet, eye diet. The eye diet, yeah. You know, Susan Roberts' eye diet. I, I'd seen a lot of different diet books. I, you know, we had this eye diet book in the house. My wife and my daughter said, let's try it. And that... And look how successful it's I'm been. I'm telling you, I am feeling great. I am almost at like 211 pounds wow. now. Before I was, you know, I was up in the 270s. Were and, and that I, high? I, yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so. I didn't want to admit it to myself. And that, that in, an, in and of itself is an I am. Okay, so what's that denial about? You know, and what yeah. was I doing? What was that about? And, you know, we can certainly talk about that, but we've all had that experience where there is something in our I am that we just don't want to acknowledge and admit. And the reason we don't want to admit it is because we think we are then less valuable. And I, I succumbed to it myself. But then I began to realize, you know what? That's my I am, you know? And so by, by doing it slowly but methodically and sticking to it, that small change has had a big effect. And I feel terrific. You know, and it's changed it's changed a lot of different things in a lot of different domains. So I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who can think about something that might have happened even like today. What? Like what? So obviously your your biological domain has changed, right? Because That's right. you're feeling healthier. I'm feeling healthier. Right? My IC domain has changed because people are coming up to me and saying, Wow. You look great. You look great. Which, of course, has the flip side of, but I didn't before, and they were too polite to say anything. Yeah, but, which is but, true. But, the, but part of the reason why they're saying it is because they they are reminding me of my value, yeah. that they were worried. That, that but is, my it that, is, it that domain, or, is it that they were worried? Like, he's like, oh, my God, he's so unhealthy. Or were, are they, like, very supportive of what you're doing? But and I think they want to support you. I think it's both. Okay. I think, I think they're absolutely supporting me now. But what they were, what they also say is, you know, we're so glad you're doing this because we want you around. Right. Because we were worried that with that weight, um, you were putting a, a greater stress right. on your heart, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, all these different things. It's not a moral issue, right? Remember, this wasn't about, geez, you know, Dr. Joe is so weak that he, you know, he can't pass by a chocolate cake. Yeah. That, that's not what it is. And, and that's why the I am is so important, because the I am is saying that there, there isn't a disease, there isn't a moral issue, but you have to be able to wonder why you're doing what you're doing. And as I say, it's much more rewarding to wonder than to worry. So part of what's going to be exciting about our next, our guest tonight yeah. is looking at the drinking aspect, because it's, it's so much part of our culture. It has been part of our culture long before we realized we had a culture, mm. you know, some form of changing your perspective and perception of reality at that moment in time. I was, I was chatting with, with a friend of mine um, years ago about this. He's an anthropologist. Okay. And he was reminding me that practically every single culture in the world has some way 
of removing themselves, at least temporarily, from the current reality and experiencing something else. It doesn't necessarily need to be alcohol. He was telling me about this one one group that dances. Mm. Not like they're drinking, they're not using peyote or you know, psilocybin or weed or anything. They dance until the endorphins are, are so rushing in their heads that they are now in a different sense of reality. Interesting. Every culture has something like that. Mm. And, and alcohol has been a big part of most of the cultures. Yes, it has. And unfortunately, at some point, that can tip over into an area where it is truly affecting your IM in a mm. way that you're just not going to be successful. Especially away. if it's an entire community too, right? So there's the, 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 the pressures to participate in the community behaviors, right? So you have the the uh, home domain and the social domain immediately affected. Well, I don't really want to drink, but it's Christmas. Right. We're all going to have some champagne. Right. Take it. Right. Drink it. Just like just <laughs> like in our opening scene of Drug Story Theater. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This 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 machine that gets going, just try it. Just try it. One won't hurt. Everybody else yeah. is. Just try it. Mm. And it gets louder and louder and becomes chilling as you recognize the pressure that can be on people mm. to use. So it's um, it's real. So let's talk about one of the... <clears throat> so before I came on this show and I said, oh, I got to do a little research on, on Dr. Joe, before I started to agree to co-host, I found a bunch of your articles on psychology today, mm. right? You put a bunch of blogs up and they posted them and one of them spoke about... Um, you know, kind of this addiction, you know, not the addiction that has the stigma, but like, well, I shouldn't say that, but at the same time, this type of author who's saying it's, it's not an addiction. You just want to kind of change and modify. Right. right. Or the other fellow you said who wrote the almost, almost, al al right. almost alcoholic and, and it was really, um, impactful in your article because you, you kind of spoke to training your mind right so whether it's a celebration or you know a perceived failure i'm going to take this glass of wine this you know shot of bourbon this whatever it might be and then your mind starts to think associatively right this happens therefore i need this right now that's right it's it's the conditioned response mm. uh that that was first looked at, it had nothing to do with addiction by, by this guy Pavlov. Right. You know, which is why for those in the know, you might get the joke, you know, just the name Pavlov ring a bell. <laughs> but, um, but, um, bump. but that's right. And, and one of the things is that it does become a conditioned response. And a lot of people are using drugs and alcohol to avoid feelings. Right. To avoid feeling sad or angry or anxious. Um, and they begin training their brain that they're not strong enough to deal with these feelings. So the only way they can manage them is to use. And that's part of the condition response. It's just the way the brain works. That's why I keep saying addiction is not about morality. It's about mortality. Right. But that's where the I am comes in, right? Because remember, the I am is asking to treat everyone with respect. Respect. Again, look why we do what we do. And respect leads to value, which everybody wants, and value leads to trust. And trust is the antidote to fear 
and anger and sadness because when you feel that someone trusts you, it's a reminder of your value and you can share those secrets that may be part of the thing that's driving you to use to begin with. Right. Secrets aren't secrets because of what we've done. Secrets are secrets because we worry, how will someone judge me if they know my secret? And my with the I, I am, it's saying, that's right, the I see, exactly. I'm saying, there is no disease. This is the... This is, this is one of the real paradigm shifts that we're asking people to make with the I am. Really think this one through for a minute. If we're all a collection of cells and cells are responding to their environments, whether it's their home environment, the social environment, their own biological or their own IC environment, cells doing the best it can based on the environment. So why do we keep thinking there's people sick and broken. The disease model of alcoholism, the disease model of addiction was really important because it pushed us away from morality, but it still left us with this concept of a dis-ease, right. of somebody who is somehow less than because they have a disease. Disorder. Right. And the I am saying, let's forget that. There is no disease or disorder. It is the best you can do, but if you don't like it, you can change it. Might take a while, but a small change can have a big effect, and that's what we need to do. Which is what I believe her book is kind of about, although I didn't read it either. Flipping through it, it's it's more of a modification, kind of like what you were talking about with people who want to quit smoking. Right. You're not going to be successful if you just look at the pack and throw it away because right. you'll be diving in that trash can for those right. cigarettes. That's right. But take one out of the pack. And that's that's exactly it. Small change. Right. You take one out of the pack. You take one out of the pack for that day. And then a week later, mm -hmm. you take the second one out. You know, how many cigarettes are in a pack? 20? Uh, yes. Right? So after 20 weeks, you can cut down. Now, nicotine happens to be one of the most addictive substances. And it's hard to do. But we know it's, it's doable. Georgia Foster is here. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. And we are talking tonight about your new book, Drink Less in Seven Days. George, can you tell us a little bit first about yourself and, and how did you wind up uh, writing this book? Sure. Well, I lived in... Um London for 22 years where I trained to be a clinical hypnotherapist. I had also been in California to train in amazing psychology. So I landed in London and um, decided I wanted to help people feel better about themselves. And I had quit smoking with hypnosis, but I didn't really believe it was going to work. But I studied with this, the biggest college in, in Europe. And when I when I finished, they invited me back to teach for them. So while I was lecturing on the university circuit, I was building my own client base, my own practice. But I had food and alcohol issues myself. So, you know, I drank because I had very low self-esteem. I drank because I didn't feel good about myself. Um, I was not in a great space. I mean, at the time, I didn't understand what was going on. So when I started to do hypnosis on myself, and then fortunately I had the experience of clients coming to see me who were saying, Georgia, I'm not sleeping very well. 
Um, I've got really high anxiety. Can you help me with my drinking as well? I think I'm drinking a little bit too much. And I started to realize that a lot of people were secretly worried. So a combination of me um, working on myself, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still drink. Okay, so it's not like I don't drink. But I was drinking for not the right reasons and too much. So, you know, a couple of years down the track, people, the word was spreading. And although, you see, drinking is such a taboo subject and a lot of people feel very shamed and embarrassed. So I think that people felt that they could come and talk to me. And I was like saying, well, I don't think your drinking's the problem. I think it's your relationship with yourself that's the problem and when we started to work with that people were just drinking less and they were not just drinking less but they were, their self-esteem was improving their anxiety was reducing and you know I really believe now I know because I've been in this business for 22 years that you know it's the thinking before the drinking that's the problem mm. um, and that's the bit that we need to work with rather than shame people and label them and I'm not saying there are certain people who don't belong in a AA or abstaining but there are a big group of people in America who drink too much and can reduce with success I love that phrase the thinking before drinking it is so true and you're I, I could not agree more how so many people are using to avoid these feelings of being angry, anxious, or sad. We were talking about that uh, just while we were off air. So, so that inspired you. And now, tell us about about the book. Yeah, well, I I have an online program um, as well, which is called Seven Days to Drink Less. And I was approached by a publishing house in the UK who said. Giorgio, you know, we love your approach. We've been stalking you on Facebook and we want to know more about you. And so when I was in London, because I'm there regularly working, they said, you know, we, we really think there's a message here. We think you've got a very strong um, demographic. And I'm talking people, people who want to drink from a perspective of um, 45 plus. You know, we're talking about, you know, hardworking people. We're talking mums and dads who, because a lot of the drinking I'm talking about is done in the home, not really in the bars. A, a little bit's done in the bars, but most time, most of the people who I'm talking about, uh, they're not sitting on a park bench. They are hardworking, stressed out, worried about their pension plan. Um, th these are real people who have an issue and, and I felt that my voice needed to be heard so when the publisher said look you know what we want to help you get your, your brand out there because we think you've got an important message I just thought well why not really you know it's a good idea that's great and, and so you also have um, like an online training how do people access that yeah, the digital program is called Seven Days to Drink Less, and it's it's a more private version. The book, I mean, obviously, I appreciate that some people say, you know, the book is a bit, you know, you can you've got to kind of hide it from people, which is a bit annoying for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's funny you say that, Georgia, because I've had it in my office for the last <laughs> couple of weeks when the publisher sent it to us, and uh, I've had to ex I'd have I had to make excuses every, like five different times really? like why I had this book yeah yeah wow yeah people it, saw it and they're like that's an interesting book huh why are you reading why, why are you reading that right and and do I really want you to be my lawyer it, well 
no, it's back. It was the team. Oh, it was that back from oh, the back sorry. room. Just so checking. It was your. It was your team. Yeah, yeah. But but this this really gets to that stigma, right? The stigma that you were talking about earlier of people being afraid to talk about this because they fear they will be right. judged, and and this could not be the could not be worse. You know, there, one of my phrases: addiction is not a crime, but can lead to them. And one of the crimes is we turn our backs on people with addiction. But what you're talking about is that group of people who are not addicted, but who just simply want to figure out a way how to drink less. Am, am I missing something here? No, 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 completely. But I think the issue is, and that's why it's such a it's such a it's such a tricky thing to, for people to kind of put their hand up to because, you know, I I think that. Um, what worry drinkers I mean someone said to me you know this happens all the time people say to me well look why don't we just tell them to drink less and I said but, but you know if it was that easy <laughs> right. people would have done it by now right it's more it's not complicated the good news is it's not complicated but what we need to do is stop making people feel shame because people can eat a whole packet of biscuits and put on three stone and they might feel a bit embarrassed that they certainly wouldn't feel ostracized by society and I think that, that, you know, we've got to be very careful that we don't label people um, because I know that, you know, the part of the book and the online program, I talk about client stories because I want people to know that if they could just be a fly on my wall in the clinic for a day, they think, oh, my goodness, I'm actually really normal, yeah. you know? Right. And, and because, you know, how, how we... How the mind works. Are you happy for me to talk about how the mind works now? Love it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, so we've got two parts of the brain. We've got the conscious mind and the subconscious mind or unconscious mind. And a lot of people have these grand ideas that they're going to, you know, not drink all week. Now, I mean, that's a great goal. I have no problems with people having alcohol-free days. But if that person's through their day on a Monday and they've woken up with a bit of a hangover and then they go to the office and their boss is giving them a really hard time or all of a sudden they realise their mother-in-law's coming to town and they don't get on very well, there's going to be some stress, there's going to be some sense of vulnerability. And what the, the brain does is when it signals vulnerability, it knows something's not quite right. And it will scan the history of, of that person's relationship. And it will decide what was the best fit to make that person feel safe. Now, even if that person's thinking about having a drink at 9.30 in the morning, it doesn't mean they're going to have a drink at 9.30 in the morning. It means that the stirring is starting. And they maybe ha have a really busy life, you know, take the kids to school, do the shopping, um, do whatever they need to do in the office environment and at, you know call it the beer o'clock or the wine o'clock that comes out at five or six o'clock is all of a sudden the brain says once you have that first sip thank you for listening to me now we can calm down so what i'm saying is that we need to train the brain to not reach for that frenzied moment of alcohol to be the solution now that is why hypnosis is such a powerful tool because it works with that very clever part of the mind that manages the emotional relationship with yourself. So some people say to me, oh, you know, Georgia, I don't understand why I just can't drink, you know, like my, my, my wife does or 
my my sister does or whatever it is and I say but you know what you've got to really respect that at this point in time your mind genuinely thinks alcohol is the best quickest smartest solution because it works you know but what I'm saying is you can train your mind to actually deal with the stress and the anxiety through the day so that when you don't get to that frenzy drinking moment because people who are anxious and use alcohol for that medicinal purpose drink quickly Mm -hmm. you know i mean the first one doesn't take long you think well where did that go and then the second one and before you know it, the vegetables have been chopped and the dinner's been cooked and certain people say to me georgia i'm looking there and that whole bottle of wine's gone but i don't remember being there right right and that's part of the habit too yeah you know, one of one of the things that that I will also say is, you know, I think you'll maybe appreciate it. Is, you know, does the name Pavla ring a bell? <laughs> right, because right, because it's this is the conditioned response, and you. I hope people are, are listening to this. If you are using alcohol or any drug to avoid a feeling, you begin convincing yourself you're not strong enough to do with those feelings. Tell us about hypnotherapy and what's the what's the mechanism and do we how much do we know about what really is going on in the brain as that's happening? Yeah, I think a lot of people assume that you know that the the conscious mind is the most clever part, but that is not true at all. I mean, what I love about my work now, when I first trained to be a hypnotherapist, it was a bit like you know witchcraft. You know, I think a lot of people were very suspicious. Um, and, and rightly so, because it seemed very, very unusual that you could resolve somebody who has a fear of flying, who has been to get on a plane for 10 years, that within an hour they can get on a plane. But that is actually true. People, I mean, I do it all the time in, in, my, in my work. But the thing about what people don't understand, so there's one big myth that, and the stage hypnotists do all this, you know, that, you know, that, that you're going to walk onto the stage and act like a chicken or all of a sudden you're going to do a funny dance. Now, there are there are a certain amount of people who are highly suggestible. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they are more hypnotizable. So just to, just to put it another way is everybody can be hypnotized. And that, that window of time between being asleep and awake is that hypnotic state. So... If somebody um, says to me, Georgia, I can't possibly be hypnotized, so we must be very tired because it's just that little window between awake and asleep. Is and it, when you, you is, know, is when it, you, in the morning when you wake up, is it, is it kind so, of like a deep meditation? Well, hypnosis and meditation are the same brainwave activity. Okay. The only difference is that with hypnosis, is you're, you've got quite a busy brain going on with lots of things, whereas with with meditation, you, the, there's more of an expectation to try and go into um, a nothingness state or, I say, a state where you are focusing on one thing, like your breath or a mantra. So, and I think meditation is absolutely fabulous. The only, the only issue I've got with meditation is there's a big expectation on the listener to be able to get it right. And a lot of my drinking customers are perfectionists, um, which is another personality trait that, you know, an all or nothing person they either drink a lot or don't drink at all. And they find it very difficult to relax. So hypnosis is a is a is a better way 
to train that person not just to drink less but to be in an altered state and and they say you know about every seven minutes we go into a dream state like a daydream state it's the same thing you know hypnosis is just a little window that we expand on where you are open to suggestion now there being oh gosh so many studies done it with hypnosis and the key thing about hypnosis which a lot of people don't realize is when your eyes are closed and you imagine and you feel for example you know if somebody was coming to see me with a fear of flying um i would take them on that plane i would use all the senses i would you know use their passport i would use their their boarding pass going through security um hearing the zipper on their 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 suitcase going up i'd use all of the senses and then the brain gets sensitized to the new experience and because when you're in hypnosis the, the mind thinks you're really there so when it thinks you're really there when you go into the reality it says oh this is familiar huh. i know what this is all about now it sounds simple but it really is that simple and that's why hypnosis i believe is a really good way to break that you know that statement you can't teach an old dog new tricks we now know is completely unfounded and i love it because you know i love what i do and i'm very passionate about hypnosis because i see a lot of people who've been suffering a long time get quick results because we, we all have a past we all have traumatic things that have happened in our past nobody's had a perfect life but i think part of what i love about hypnosis is and the neuroscientists have confirmed it is that the brain is adaptable and pliable to change if you give it the right messages in the right space you can make dramatic changes very very quickly right and and that is exactly what the i am approach is saying is that we are always responding to our environment you change the environment you change the response and what i think what you're talking about is that we can create uh, an experiential moment which then gets translated into memory that you can then access when you're in the real situation not just the situation that you've created by by all of this imagery is that fair to say yeah i mean you know we look i'm not saying you forget your past because that's not possible no 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 affecting you less you know we want it to be like it's happened and and you know and and re- see it as an experience and realize that as adults you know we, we we don't feel sometimes we have choice but we really do all the we time really genuinely do. so all how do you how do you utilize the hypnosis to curb the drinking because you're you're not you're not helping coach them to stop you're helping coach them to just mitigate, to to modify their 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 attitudes towards it, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I always say that you know most drinking is medicinal. We want to get the fun bits still there, but it's the bits that cause you the grief we want to focus on. Um, and one of the, the the quickest way to do that um, is, and I'll share with you one of the most important parts of the hypnosis is that. Um, I'm trained in a fantastic psychology and the psychology is that we're all made up of many parts and there's one part that is the driver to drink and it's called the inner critic part. It's the one that says, oh, you did you know, that meeting, why did you say that? And your work colleagues think you've done whatever and, and then it might be that 
um, you've got a really um, judgmental partner who says you should be doing this or you should be doing that. It could be that that person is um, not working at the moment and the inner critic, this inner voice says, you know, you've been out of work for such a long time, you know, no one's going to want you anymore. And, and this voice, we all have this voice. I mean, you can't get rid of the inner critic. But what you can do is train the brain to recognize that what it has to say is not based on truth. So they think that the inner critic, which they call the reptilian part of the brain, actually was created when we lived in caves and there were bears around the corner. Now we don't have bears, we have life that's kind of, you know, very busy demanding lives. And a lot of people think that their inner critic can look at their future. And I'm saying, do you know what? It's been proven that you cannot see into your future. You can plan for it. But the inner critic gets, it, gets up in the morning and says, oh, my God, why did you drink so much? Oh, my God, you, you know, you should you really not, not drink tonight. You know, just don't drink for a couple of days. But what is happening is that voice is so critical, it stirs vulnerability and it stirs real stress chemicals in the body. And the body says, get me out of here. Right. I've got to go. Get that beer, get that gin and tonic, get that whiskey. And that will continue on until you make that change. And hypnosis, well, my particular approach, one of the key things is getting the brain to recognize that that negative voice is just an unhelpful voice. It will never be helpful. It will never be kind to you. It will never give you um, confidence. So really, the part that is inspired to buy my programs, buy my book. I call it that intuitive part, the part that says, you know what, I like what George is saying. Actually, you know what, I realize that my inner critic's been driving my life. And when people realize that that negative thinking has become a habit, and it really is a habit, and they train their brain to tune out of it with the power of hypnosis, it's within 25 minutes, they're already feeling better because the language that we speak within ourselves is the most important language that we ever communicate. And if you can get that in a language to be different, for it to be uh, inspiring and kind and supportive and trusting, then people don't need to drink to run away from it because we know that when we drink alcohol, the inner critic goes away. So people aren't actually getting hooked into the alcohol. They're actually getting hooked into that little bit of space where the inner critic goes away and people love it that's why they say bring it on that's why they, you know their mind says bring on the booze you know so we can have a bit of space right and that's that's the bit the bit that i really want to emphasize to your audience is once you get your inner critic in check the world is your oyster as they say you can actually start to realize you don't need to drink to feel safer. You don't need to drink to feel better. You don't need to drink to um, be more sexy. or Because the inner critic will often say, you know, for people who have social anxiety, which is a big issue for many people, you've got to have to have that little sneaky drink because we know when you get there, people are going to think you're boring. <laughs> right. or, yep. You know, I've got this, this, you know, many, many stories, but one guy was saying to me, one of the biggest changes he had with the program was he was always at the restaurant before everybody else. He'd get there half an hour early, and that was to have that quick, sneaky drink. 
and then his friends would arrive and he'd be ready to sit down and look at the menu and decide what they were going to eat. But he said it got to the state that people started to joke because that he was the early bird and people started to turn up early and he was missing that little window of time for his little sneaky drink and it was really irritating. So these are the sorts of things that people don't talk about but they're real problems that when the inner critic says you can't go to that restaurant until you've had a quick drink then people start to worry they've got a problem and that's when the problem can start to exacerbate is when you start to in here then label yourself a a problem drinker and the inner critic goes whoa you do and then you've got a wife or a husband who says i think you drink too much then the inner critic says well other people think you do too and that's you know part of the whole vicious cycle that i want to help people get out of that's terrific and it fits exactly into the i am approach because there's the I see domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? I'm starting to see myself as, as a problem drinker. That affects my home domain, how I am with other people in my social domain. It's affecting my biological domain because my cortisol levels are going up and I have more stress hormone. And now I've trained my brain what to do is to go and use. There was, there's a wonderful chapter in The Little Prince. Remember the, the book, The Little Prince, where... This, it's this little kid who's going to all these planets, and he comes to a planet with a tippler, an alcoholic. And the tippler is drinking, and the little prince says, why do you drink? And the tippler says, I drink to forget. He says, to forget what? He says, to forget that I am ashamed. Ashamed of what? Ashamed that I drink. You know, it's just that cycle right. that can happen. So, you know, as part of the I am, Small changes can have big effects. We control no one. We influence everyone. What small change are you hoping to have, Georgia Foster, and how do you want to influence people in our last minute? I just want people to feel good about themselves and realize they're such a valuable person on this earth and that if they could just understand that getting their thinking right will change their relationship with their self and then that will change their relationship with alcohol because everybody deserves to feel safe everybody deserves to feel loved you know that's my 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 big thing i really i believe in people all over the world i do too and i think everybody wants the same thing whether they're there in Australia, but everywhere. We want the same thing. Too. We want to feel valued by somebody else. Right. And you have helped our audience feel more valuable tonight, Georgia. Thank you so much for being on the Dr. Joe Show. Folks, thank you, Georgia. Uh, that was drink awesome. Less in seven days, please. You can get it on Amazon, on uh, Georgia's uh, web. You have a website too? Website. Yep. Yep. GeorgiaFoster.com. Yep. Check it out. Thanks. Enjoy Australia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Folks, we are done for tonight. We will be back next week with the Dr. Joe Show. See you then. See ya. Bye. Go, 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 go.